basically what I did was called in some of my contacts from around the country and asked them to present on the state of the market in their particular state and more importantly on what opportunities there are for renovators. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, it's Bernadette Jansen, and before we get into this episode, I need to remind you that the information in this podcast is general in nature and opinion only. It should not be taken as personal advice. There are significant risks with buying and renovating property, and you should maximise your profit potential and minimise your risk by seeking independent advice that relates to your personal circumstances through your own financial planner, accountant and any other professionals that you are working with. The examples in this podcast are for illustrative purposes only. Hi there, it's Bernadette and in this episode we're going to be doing something slightly different. What I've done is taken one of our trainings, masterclass trainings that we do inside our membership each month with our students and I have, including it here, or an excerpt of that training here, because I think you will find this really great value. So basically what I did was called in some of my contacts from around the country and asked them to present on the state of the market in their particular state and more importantly on what opportunities there are for renovators. My community loved this and so I thought that I would include a section of each of those talks for you. We're going to get into it now and the first cab off the rank is Michelle Lewis from Adelaide in South Australia. So she's going to be talking about what she's seen and heard of happening in Adelaide and South Australia. Enjoy. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks, Bernadette. Thanks for having me on. Um, I thought I'd start with just a general overview of SA and then go into some specific deals or areas that I've been looking at buying in and, and have bought in recently. Is that okay? Perfect. Excellent. So I did a little bit of research from the experts, um, so the likes of Peter Kalizos and others, and a general theme was the inner west in the areas of Theberton, Mild End and Richmond, and they're about a high fives to low sixes price point. And so they were areas that were mentioned. The other area um, that is very popular um, with a price range of about 550 as a buy-in price is the inner um, southwest area of Marion. Now, an insider tip with that area is there will be has been a change in the development plan. Some places, some policy areas, policy area 12, where you could normally do one into three, you can no longer longer do. So once the market gets wind of that, there'll be an opportunity for renovators to come into those areas and buy those properties that would have perhaps otherwise been bought by developers. So the areas that I've been um, looking at are a little further out with a lower price point. I tend to buy and um, work in the lower end of town because there's always buyers in those areas. Um, so what I think there's a picture I sent to you. So this was an auction I attended at Christie's Beach, which is about 30 kilometres um, south of Adelaide. It's a coast 
coastal town and this particular property was a Michelle Lewis special and it was one Fox Avenue in Christie's Beach and that was a house that had been inhabited by squatters so I think Bernadette's trying to pull up the picture. I went along to the auction with sort of an idea that if I could purchase it at 260 that would be something I'd like to do. Now Bernadette's showing you a very beautiful photo <laughs> of this house but this um, have you got the ugly photo too Bernadette? There we go oh that's where com she's coming through them now. It had basically been empty for some years the owner had passed away the squatters moved in so this particular house did sell at auction uh, for 269 and it went to a an, uh, a young couple who would own occupy and renovate it themselves I was happy to buy it at 260 um, I was happy also to see them purchase it at 269 and then that property could be on sold for the low fours once renovated in a nice manner with room for profit there um, the other areas I've been looking at uh, a little closer to the city but still south is the areas of Blackwood or Hawthorne Dean, which is where uh, we settle on the property there on uh, Monday we've purchased a two better that will for 320 that will change into a three bedroom house at a deck do a budget reno and hopefully sell uh, for a minimum of the mid fours or even more to make a nice little flip profit on that one and then the last suburb I wanted to mention that I also attended an auction in and I know that you can do uh, renovation or you know purchase renovate renovatable properties in the area is Happy Valley and that's 20 kilometers south of Adelaide the auction that I went to recently was two houses on one title. Um, it was a two-bedder and a three-bedder, and that sold for 360k, which sounds so cheap <laughs> compared to, um, uh, you know, other states. And there was definitely money to be made in that deal with renovating them on a budget and on selling them or even keeping them and renting them out. So are you doing any deals with land as well? No, in but I do... I do know a couple. Do you mean subdividable properties, Bernadette? Yeah. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So Largs North is a hot spot for that particular um, strategy at the moment. I do know a couple that have purchased for about four thirty, and they've split off the back, and they should get about two thirty for the back block, and they've renovated the front house, and they'll sell that off for a little bit of a profit. But the profits in the back block in that it's a property with a roadside a road frontage either side of the block so it goes through to two roads each side I know that um, one particular couple are, are using that strategy in that area which is a, a seaside location um, the northwestern area of Adelaide awesome thanks so much Michelle Okay, next we've got Julie Anglesey. Julie is in Western Australia and she will be sharing her understanding of what's going on in, in particular in Perth. First of all, I just wanted to just give you a quick rundown on how um, I look at what's going on in the Perth market. Everyone I think probably knows that the prices in Perth have been going down over the last five years or so. So I just wanted to show a couple of um, graphs and data from the Real Estate Institute of WA's website. So the first thing that I like to look at and monitor is the property listings, listings for sale. And you can see here that I've put a red box around um, the numbers at the bottom where this week there's currently 13,892 properties for sale. So just to put that into some sort of context, equilibrium in Perth is, is considered to be about the 12 to 13,000 properties for sale. You can see that four weeks ago it was 14,000 and then this time last year it was 15,500. It's actually a positive sign to see that the number of listings is starting to go down a little bit. It's, it's 
just steady and it's not huge, so it's not going to be any sort of like booming market anytime soon. But it's just giving people a little bit of optimism about the supply isn't so oversupplied as it was. The next thing that I look at on the next slide, Bernadette, I just need you to click onto the next, yep, is the median house price. And there, there's a really great visual. You can see what's been going on in Perth since 2015. Median price was 555 or something and now it's 485. A lot of properties that I'm seeing for sale are but the asking price is lower than what they paid for it 10 years ago. In Perth we definitely don't have that saying about property values double every 10 years. They definitely haven't in Perth. The next slide is just a little bit more about the market and the days on market is another thing to look at here in Perth and days on market is still increasing. Um, according to that graph there and that's not such a great sign but you can see that it was sort of flattened out over the last quarter so let's hope it just starts to go down a little bit in line with those listings going down as well and the mm -hmm. other thing that we look at is rental vacancies so you can see in the red box there that we've currently got six and a half thousand properties for rent in Perth. Four weeks ago it was 6,800 and the same time last year it was 7,800. So once again the available properties for rent um, is just steadily going down. So these are just all sl very slow but slightly optimistic signs for Perth after we've been absolutely hammered. And on the next slide, oh, you can see also that the house median rent in Perth is $360 a week, um, which probably sounds ludicrous um, to you in Sydney that um, the median house rent would be 360, but there you go. It's actually gone up, if you can see in the next slide, it was 350. What I like about this slide is the bars on this graph here show the actual vacancy rate. Back in September 2017, the vacancy rate was 7%, which is really high. But currently, in the last quarter, it's 2.9%. So that is also just another positive sign for Perth. So the next slide we'll go into is where I see the opportunities are. So I'm a little bit like Michelle. Um, I do like the low end because it's easier to pick up something cheap and, you know, make it look beautiful and it really stands out from the crowd and you can, yeah, you can usually definitely make a profit. So this is one that I did earlier this year and it was the buy price was 130000 So the opportunity is in buying something that people can't move into and live in. So this had a non-functioning kitchen and it was a deceased estate and, you know, cats have been living in it and it stunk and yet yeah, pretty much no one really wanted to buy this. So we were able to pick it up for 130 and we spent 50000 on painting, putting in a new kitchen, bathroom and laundry and sanding the floorboards and doing a bit of gardening. And then we sold it for 259000 So the profit in that was 63000 So for such a low-end property, I see that as a great opportunity to make some money and do it quickly and you can do it quite cheaply as well. From us buying and settling to settlement of its selling was three months. So the renovation took about, I don't know, five, six weeks and it was over Christmas as well. There was a decent amount of stuff done, but because it's a smallish property, it just wasn't too hard. It wasn't a headache at all. Just talking about the middle of the market, just in my research, you know, for this presentation, the feedback that I've got is that the middle of the market, which in Perth is around the 500 to 1,000 to a million dollar mark, it's the toughest area of the market to actually try and make money out of a renovation because you're paying more than the lower end and you need to do a lot more to that house to make it stand out and really get that extra uplift. But if you were wanting to work in that, that area of the market, what you would need to do is find a house that is non-livable 
like the previous one and like this one here is one that I did, but turn it from a three-bedroom, one-bathroom to a three-bedroom, two-bathroom. There has to be some other add value if you're wanting to try and make money in this area of the market. Usually an extra bedroom is probably not going to do it, but definitely the extra bathroom would. And that's where subdivision would come in as well. And then the higher end of the market, which is the over million dollar mark, the upper end, the only opportunities really that I'm finding that people are um, making use of is if you are actually a builder. So I've spoken to a couple of women whose husbands are builders, so they work with their husband's building company. And what they're doing is buying, well, this particular one is buying an old two-bedroom, one-bathroom, gorgeous 1930s house in an inner-city suburb and doing a proper structural renovation on it, turning it into a four-bedroom, two-bathroom. But because they are the builder they're not having to pay that builder's margin. So that's where they're able to actually make their profit. So for your average flipper, there's not really any money in this, this area of the market either. The next slide is the last opportunity that I see, which is buy, renovate and hold. And this is the one that I have found for your students, Bernadette. They wanted an apartment close to the city and they wanted something to buy and hold. So I found this one, just didn't really need a renovation, all it needed was a paint job. But I was able to find it through an agent that sells off a lot of, I suppose, distressed properties in a way, deceased estates and that kind of thing. So we were able to, the two bedroom, two bathrooms in units in this complex, it's got a swimming pool, gymnasium, sauna, games room, it's, it's really nice complex. They were selling up to 400,000 four years ago. But we were able to pick this one up for 245000 Then I found a tenant for them at $365 a week. That's definitely neutrally geared, if not positively geared, but it's got great potential for capital growth. As soon as Perth starts to turn around, this is in a great location between the airport and the city and it's close to the river. But the tenant that I found for them is going to be the perfect tenant for them because she's running an Airbnb her Airbnb business, this is one of her properties in her Airbnb. So it's obviously going to upkeep the apartment. It's not going to need regular property inspections, all that kind of thing. So I got her to send me photos last night so I could share it here on this presentation. So they're not the proper photos. It's not even on the um, Airbnb site yet. But you can just see how just getting rid of the navy blue wall and then styling it, it's made it much more appealing for a start. But the win-win is it's a great property for the owner, the new owner. They don't need to do too much except take the rent. But if you were someone that was in Perth and you wanted to find this yourself, paint it yourself and then run Airbnb yourself, it's an awesome opportunity in this area of the market. I suppose in summary, the two areas that I see are the best opportunities in Perth are the lower end, if you can get it cheap enough and do the right things to it, and the buy, renovate and hold in good locations. Now we have Lisa Parker and Lisa's a fabulous buyer's agent in Melbourne and so she'll be giving you the take on the market in Melbourne. Hello. Hi. Um, yeah, really good, thank you. We're flat stick in Melbourne as um, buyer advocates. We've gone from being a little bit quiet the last 18 months to nearly at wait list. Yeah, I'm about to tip over into wait list territory so things have really um, taken off in Melbourne since the federal election. Just to share with you what's happening on the ground, I think one of the most important factors for people to understand about the Melbourne market is two things. Firstly, we're the auction capital of Australia. So 
Um, most of our properties in the inner and middle rings of Melbourne will run to auction. So typically we have a four and a half, four to four and a half week campaign. What we've been seeing is the um, auction clearance rate since the federal election have jumped from, they're hovering around the 50, 55% clearance rate mark. And now in the last 12 weeks, they've steadily climbed to the 70% mark. And over the last six weeks, we've been seeing them close to the 75 to 76% mark. The other really interesting thing for all buyer advocates is that we're down, we're going to be down roughly 7,000 properties this spring. So typically um, spring is our biggest selling season in Melbourne. And we're usually very busy from September through to December. And it's where we have the most auctions held every week. For this spring, the REIB has calculated that we're down roughly 7,000 homes that would normally go to auction. So what is happening as a result of that is instead of buyers having three or four or five houses to choose from, they have one house to choose from. And so all of the auctions that we're attending, in most instances, we are uh, up against uh, four to six bidders and we're seeing prices, we're seeing properties sell for very healthy levels above the quote range. And the, the difficulty for buyers and the thing that people really need to be careful of is that we're in a situation where prices are rising at the moment, but... When the banks look at the comparable sales in the area, there's going to be a disparity between what people are paying for property and what the comparable properties have been selling for in the previous six months. And so buyers need to be very careful to ensure that they've got comps to support the purchase price they're paying. And if it's contested that they can provide those comps to the valuer. And then also that... They have backup plans. If there is a valuation shortfall, they need to find the money to come up with that shortfall. So having a backup plan is really important in the market at the moment until we have a little bit more history of the higher price points. Um, so overall in Melbourne, 18 months ago, we saw the prices come back 15% across the board. And I think by December, we should probably see the prices statistically come up probably about 5% below the peak of the market in the last cycle. At the moment, we just still have that disparity. So a perfect example was a townhouse that I called into appraise for a client in Coburg. The identical property next door had sold for 810000 three months ago and somebody offered before auction 850000 and so this was a situation where I advised my clients to walk away from because there was not a single comparable sale in the area to support 850000 and it was a high-risk purchase for the client if they didn't have that $40,000 difference because obviously the valuer is going to look at the identical property right next door, which just sold three months ago. So overall in Melbourne... We have had about 15,000 properties available for sale, whereas usually we would have between 23 to 26,000 properties. So we're roughly 8,500 properties down this year. We're expecting for spring 
to change that because that's where we see vendors put their properties on the market. But unfortunately, we're not seeing vendors do that. I think if if you guys know people who want to sell in Melbourne, this is a little tiny bit off topic but related, if you've got property in Melbourne that you are thinking of selling, there's a window of opportunity between now and December where you're going to get a really strong price for your property due to the lack of stock. What will happen is once the data uh, is released into the public domain, it gets out in the news and consumers hear the information enough times to accept it as true and fact. That's when they will start to put their, their properties on the market. So I'm expecting early next year that we should see the number of properties being put on the market increase and I think we'll see a slight levelling off in property prices because technically we really shouldn't be having experiencing this little mini boom that we are currently in Melbourne. The biggest opportunities I think in this market at the moment, quite a contrast really to Michelle and Julie, um, I love your prices by the way. <laughs> I mean, we're at 400000 in regionals in Melbourne, so yeah, we just don't really get those prices. We're dealing with budgets of 800 and up most of the time. The biggest opportunities are actually in the inner to middle ring areas, what we're finding is that people want to buy properties that are already completed. They want to walk in. They want to have the nice gardens. They want to have the nice the nice fixtures and fin finishes. They want to walk into a property that's already done and they don't want to have to spend the time renovating. So if you can take something that isn't presenting well and maybe has some floor plan challenges and correct the floor plan challenges to create a end result which is in line with modern day expectations there'll be a lot of homeowners that will want the property and will compete heavily for it so we see that in the inner city in particular people don't want unrenovated homes and there seems to be a lot of them on the market at the moment mostly off market and getting access to those off markets are a really good opportunity because you're not competing with other people at auction and we're able to buy more competitively when we don't have competition. So ask agents for off-markets. Don't just rely what's on what's coming onto the market. Create those good relationships. Be known as a reliable buyer who acts fast, who is decisive, who is really good to deal with so that you become one of the buyers at the very top of your local agent's hit list and you'll be the first person they call. And if you are really good to deal with, they will deal with you exclusively for 24 hours before going out to the rest of their database. And in the lower end of the market, there's a section in Frankston, which is close to in the Keringle section of Frankston where there is a, an opportunity right now to be purchasing in at around the 430 to 460 mark and renovating the property you can pick up some really good floor plans where you can actually have a four you can convert the house to a four bedroom two bathroom and the floor plan is really important get the right floor plan and create that four bedroom two bathroom home and you'll get 660 for it one of the challenging things for us is our really high stamp duties. So when you're trading in and out of property, it can become difficult at that lower price point, but the numbers are stacking up reasonably well for that section in Frankston at the moment. Next up, we've got Amanda Gould, who has a company called High Spec Properties, and she will be talking about the Sydney market. 
in Sydney at the moment, we're seeing a slight rise between 2 and 5%. These um, are going up, especially at auction. So be, obviously, uh, before the election, we did have a downturn in the market, which did carry on for some time. After the election, uh, it started to get a lot steadier. But I would say the last four weeks that I've been attending auctions, they've been the highest I've seen them. We went to three auctions, represented three different clients on the weekend. We only bought one out of the three because the prices people were paying were desperation prices like we saw in 2016 and 17 for the scarcity and the lack of stock in the market. So we've really found that, like for example, um, a prime example was just a very basic renovated uh, property that I went to auction for in Shippendale Two level, 77 square meter apartment. I valued that at 925 at a push. The agent's guide was 800 to 880, but I knew it was worth more than that. After doing an extensive price research, it went for 965. I was trying to protect my client. That's what they hire us for, to protect them from making emotional mistakes. And that's what's happening at auction at the moment. People are overpaying. Now, there was another bidder, interestingly enough, who was there and she came up and talked to me after and asked for my card and she said as soon, because I have a badge on, she said as soon as I saw you stop bidding, I stopped bidding too because I figured you knew what you were doing. (laughs) So that was really interesting. And that was not a great reno, like by any stretch. It was a pretty standard basic Ikea reno, nothing, very beige. My clients were going to have to redo it and that's why I needed to protect the margin for them because if they were going to sink 50 grand into it, that would have been the 50 grand that they would have overspent. So we walked away from that at a certain point and um, we we're on the search still for them. The lack of stock is driving those prices. So I'm about to go to auction for another property um, that has been renovated very nicely. It was packed. It was in Rose Bay. Now the agent's guide was 1-2. It's a one three five to one four property any day of the week. We're finding agents are either underquoting to drive as many people through the door so they look good to their vendors or they're really so confused about what to put price on. And there are a lot of agents that are getting paid 2% commission, which should be experts in their field that don't do half as much um, research, and I'm sure Lisa will agree, as a buyer's agent. They'll say that two-bedroom apartment and that two-bedroom apartment are in the same block, so they'll be the same. But when you drill it down, one's the north facing, one's on the top floor, one's on the bottom floor, one's 70 square metres, one's 60. You've really got to know what you're doing out there because you can make a lot of mistakes by overpaying in a market like this. I don't think it's going to creep up like 2016, 17, but it's interesting to see that people's frenzy is not the right word, but people are crazy. I mean, I went to a $3 million auction. The agent's guide was 25 to 275. I said, this is a 3 million to 3.1 million property any day of the week. went for 3280. They're either underquoting on purpose or they're underquoting because they're not prepared or they're just, you know, lack of knowledge. But I I will say that doing a renovation and something that's going to stand out in the market that works for you, because obviously you're all from all around the country, we're sick of seeing generic vanilla renovations. They're not getting the same, normally they're not getting the same price. This one in in Rose Bay that I'm going for has been beautifully done. The floorboards are, are oak the kitchens they've done a big galley kitchen it's beautiful i can send the address out once i've bought it i don't want to say anything until i got it but um they've done a really great job for the unit that it's in an old 80s block as most of the units in sydney there is 60s 70s 80s that you're doing renovations on but making the most of the floor plan and really doing it to the best that you can afford 
and making it stand out. So maybe using tiles, splashback tiles that have got a little bit of texture so people go up and automatically touch them. That's a big thing. I do that in all my own renovations, even in my home. Because when people come in, even I have a cabana near near the pool that I built, not me personally built, but I chose all the stuff that went in there. And every time somebody goes in that bathroom, they come out and go, wow, those tiles are amazing. They're like a, a dragged out hexagon sort of, and but they're risen, they're baked, they're quite an interesting tile. And they're the sort of things that people will remember. And the colour schemes, you know, like the palette that you use. I'm just so sick of seeing the beige and the the typical Caesar stone snow because people don't have an idea. But Sydney is seeing a peak and we're telling clients that are going to auction, expect to pay between 2 and 5% more than you budgeted for. Whether we use that or not is is another, we may not even get to that, but if we have it in our back pocket and they have the money for it, And it's a long-term hold, obviously not for renovators, but for your end product, if you've got a good product that will sell, auction's the way to do it at the moment. Beautiful. Well, thanks so much for that, Amanda. That's really good insight. Pleasure. Lastly, I've got Joe Vidello from Advocate Property Services and Property Women, and she's going to be talking about the Queensland market. So Queensland's got interesting recently. Listen up. With the Brisbane market, a lot of what I do crosses over on both those realms. And as you'd know, Bernadette, um, we love the splitter blocks that are available um, in and around Brisbane City Council. I love the the opportunity the splitter block provides means that you have potentially got a house that's already on one side, on one title, and you can technically split off another block and then on-sell that as well. So a lot of the formulas can be sliding a house to one side and renovating that house and selling it and freeing up a block of land. Or, as some people I know, they realign the boundary, keep the original house, renovate it, sell the house or sell off the block of land. Perhaps they keep the house, sell the land. Um, you know, like there's just oh, there's a multitude of exit strategies that come with that. And that's what I find really exciting and fun with that. Brisbane's going gangbusters at the moment. BIS, what was BIS Shrapnel and our BIS Oxford Economics put out a report in July just saying the three-year landscape for property. It looks, it looks to indicate that Brisbane's got the strongest growth projected of about 20%, although they do say that that 20% will be in the back lot of that next three years. Now, Sydney's home for me, but as an investor, I'm very much a non-emotive investor, and I'm just going to be following where the market is showing where the fruits are to be, to be had, to be laid, to be picked. So... Just in Brisbane now, Moreton Bay is north of Brisbane City Council and in the next three years, Moreton Bay is actually going to run out of land. So like everywhere, it's been built out. So there's got about three years left of land. It's a really good area. It's definitely one to watch. It's I've got a couple of properties there myself. You can still do splitter blocks in the Moreton Bay area. I work in conjunction with one of our business partners, does a lot of the research for us, ensuring that Where we look at, there's high rental demand, um, low vacancy. When we're buying existing properties, ensuring there's enough margin that if you are to renovate that property and put it back in the market, that people in that location are still paying a premium for a renovated version of that house. Ensuring also that it's not near, I guess, an oversupply of um, housing estates or, you know, perhaps it is just an oversupply of a certain housing type as well. So... The other part of my business is building dual-key properties 
And again, that's ensuring that we're not in an area that's oversupplied with the dual key offerings. And the reason we loved doing the dual keys is because of the two income aspect as well. It allows our clients to free up their income and then be able to buy and buy again. Just talking about Brisbane City Council at the moment, if we go north of Brisbane City Council, Kedron, Everton Park, round Chermside is an area that's very, very much sought after. There's a big gap between your entry-level houses and your nicely renovated, ready-to-go, um, beautifully finished Queenslanders. So because it's got such a disparity between entry and selling, that does indicate to me there's a good opportunity for renovators who want to come in and, and I guess, reap the returns of adding that value to that area as well. Again, if I sort of go up to Moreton Bay and I'm looking at areas around the drivable distance to the city, uh, to the water, Costco, Ikea, um, the university campuses, you know, just these areas that are just bringing people in. Interstate migration to Brisbane or sorry, to southeast Queensland was 25,000 people in the 2017-2018 financial year. Uh, conversely, New South Wales lost 21,000. It is in terms of growing, they're putting on additional runway at the airport. They're building a new casino. They're doing a Queen, the Queen's Wharf in the city, so on the water there in Brisbane River. So they're going to have a new casino there. There's a lot of a lot of money being spent on by the government on infrastructure. If we look west to Brisbane City, and then we're heading into Ipswich, traditionally quite quiet, very much an easy entry price point. So it wouldn't surprise Julie or Michelle some of those housing price points are on par. They've just won a $5 billion government contract to build tanks. It's going to bring in about 1,000 to 1,200 new jobs. New jobs brings in family units. Family units need schools. They need houses. And this is a long-term plan as well. So it's making that part really sort of be on the map again as well for Ipswich. Moving down south or south of Brisbane City Council, I'm a big fan of Wynnum. Wynnum West, Manly, bit of a sleepy sleepy spot has been for quite some time when you drive through this area a lot of people are knocking down and doing rebuilds in this area lots of gentrification lots of family units coming into that particular nook as well and what's interesting about that part or that area is there there's opportunities there if people are wanting to look at multi-occupancies as well so that's certainly an area to keep keep, keep on your radar if, if you're in and around Brisbane looking at doing some things of opportunity but they're the big standouts for me at this point in terms of making a buying decision, I think. You know, Logan, you know, it's a very affordable. It's a massive, massive land. It sits between the Gold Coast and Brisbane City. I'd just be very, you know, make sure if you're looking at areas like this that you're going to an established area that's got a really good high percentage of owner-occupiers in it as well. And um, they're always a fairly like very low vacancy in these areas, but you want to make sure that if you're going to be doing anything like renovating or subdividing, that you've done your figures really solidly and you know there's enough opportunity there for you to get in, do it and have an obviously reaper re return once this once you've sold off as well i hope you enjoyed that and got some value out of it i'm sure you did i know our students really loved that particular masterclass. before i sign off i just want to remind you that this weekend is our financial freedom against all odds event in sydney and brisbane if you don't have a ticket you've got today to grab one 
So you'll find a link on the website and with the show note. And also, if you've not joined our free Facebook group, She Renovates, then jump over there and jump in, get into the conversation. We'd love to see you there. Okay, until next week, it's Bernadette signing off for today. Have a great week. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.